mentality rise and you know they're going with them to every ball there. This is Come On Kind with Martin Quilty and Onya Fahey. Good evening, everyone, and welcome once again to Come On Kind here for Season 2, Episode 10 with myself, Martin Quilty, all on my lonesome here in the studio this evening at the moment as Anya is away on her honey bobs after getting hitched last Friday. So bit lonely here um, at the minute, but I am delighted that I am going to be joined very shortly over the phone by uh, Marion Graham, who is the former uh, chair of the Munster Council. And Marion got a prestigious award at the annual Congress last for Saturday evening. Uh, it was up in the Carrickdale Hotel in County Louth. So, Marion, we're on take two. We tried this already and everything went haywire on us, but we are back again and we are recording. So once again, welcome into Come On Kind with us. Thank you, Martin. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. So as we were saying, um, a prestigious award last Saturday evening, the Sheila Nicanoltic Award for the Administrators. It's one of the top gongs that the Camogie Association can award and you were the worthy recipient of it this year. So you must have been overjoyed when you uh, were announced at the, the ball on Saturday night. Yes, it was a great honour for me to get the Sheila Nicanoltic Award. Uh, Sheila was a distinguished administrator of the association and, uh, you know, it was my honour on Saturday evening and I'd like to thank Munster Council and the Association for uh, putting my name forward and uh, it was an honour and some of my members of my family were there and, uh, you know, it, it, it's once in a lifetime, um, it's like an Oscar, it's once in a lifetime that you get this the Sheena Award. Well, that's great. At least there was no one there to be slapping anyone around anyway it, as well, Marion, on Saturday evening. But it must be something in the water down in Munster because uh, I know recently at one of the Congresses, your partner in crime there, Mary Carney from Cork, uh, also got the award uh, a couple of years ago as well. So I don't know what you're doing down in Munster Council, but it must be working something because you're getting uh, awards left, right and centre. Deservedly, I have to say, because I've known you quite a good few years and you were telling me earlier on as well, you started playing and doing administrations all in the same go all them years ago. So you were a busy lady. Yes, but you know it, it wasn't as, as as hard a task back then as it is now. Camogie has gone very very professional. The numbers of players have seriously up. The numbers of clubs have increased big time. So it wasn't as hard to be a player and an administrator, it would be impossible to do it now. Yeah, we were saying that earlier as well, that we don't see any of the new or the ret- former retirees um, at the minute, you know, girls that's in their early 30s or whatever, taking up administration roles either at the county level or provincial level. Um, and you were trying to put your finger on it uh, earlier on. And I was saying maybe that it was young families or that that was getting involved in it. But it's the trend is certainly not there at the minute. We haven't got former players either taking up refereeing or taking up administration roles, which is a little bit worrying. It is a bit worrying, yes. Um, unfortunately, we have very few administrators from past players, you know, recent past players or whatever. And it's the same applies to referees. I mean, the association um, at, at every level is in trouble with getting referees, you know. But, you know, as far as playing and administration at the same time, you see, um, there's an awful lot more outlets for young people and the parents, I suppose, are quite busy taking children to all the sports and they're playing, they're playing camogie now at a much, much younger level. Um, 
back in the day, as we say, I think under 12 would have been the earliest that you'd have been playing camogie. Whereas now we have um, we have go games under sixes, under eights, you know. So it's it's far it's it's a far more um, bigger a bigger role now to be an officer than it used to be. Yeah, it certainly was. And I suppose what exactly got you into the administration point of it all them years ago? Like obviously you enjoyed the the playing and going out with your teammates and the, the I suppose the joy of not so much even winning but taking part in a team sport and that. But what exactly drove you into the administration end of things? Well, well it, uh, it, it was a bigger surprise to me than anyone else because uh, I wasn't even asked the the convention on the night I was elected as treasurer of Munster Council, I was at a scone, a scone and oak. And uh, I, um, a member of the club came back and said, oh, by the way, you're treasurer of uh, the Bray County Board. And I was as uh, shocked. And that's how it happened, by sheer accident. And um, <laughs> So you weren't even present when you got a job? They are just by... <laughs> It doesn't happen like that now. You have to be nominated and voted in. And whereas back then, if if you accepted the role, that was it. You take it and hope for the best. So you could have actually been appointed the chair in your absence even that night and come the, the following night then be told that you're chair <laughs> of a county correct. board. <laughs> Thank God there's an easier position than the, the, the treasurer was a bit easier then. And that's definitely not the case now because all accounts are audited and everything has to be accounted for and like and you know it's it's a it's a huge it's a mammoth task now to be a treasurer of uh, the association or the provincial councils our county boards our club it's a huge a huge ask now as is every role now in the association it's um it's a big role, and it take. I'm not trying to to stop people from taking on the role, but it 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 is a task now, and it takes up a lot of time. Yeah, I was just going to say it, and it's not trying to put people off either. Like every role, I suppose, is distinctive in no. itself, but there is an awful lot of time, dedication, and commitments that you have to put into it. And I seen it even with myself. Like there's a lot of the family life that's put in the back burner for certain amounts of it because you're away at matches, weekends, or you have Congress that was Correct. on last weekend. like So that's two days that you're gone as well from, from family uh, outings or, yeah. you know, so th- there is a huge commitment in administration within the Camogie Association at the minute. But I suppose I want to ask you, is there anything that could be done to I don't get me wrong, Martin. I enjoy every minute of it, you know. But, uh, yeah, I did enjoy every minute but it. it is a big task. But if you're not enjoying it, you won't continue doing it. Oh, no, that's very true. But my, my, my question to you at the minute is, is there anything that we could do as an association to relieve some of the workload that's on administrators at the minute because everyone is a volunteer uh, like yourself that was there and you're still not gone from Camogie yet now don't forget you know as when you sign up you're there for life and that's it so th- there's no getting out of it but I suppose is there any little tweaks that could be done to help people in the administration roles? I, I The only tweak that I could think of would be to encourage more uh, people to to help out you know, at both coaching, administration, refereeing, every aspect of the association. We need as many as possible volunteers because it is a voluntary organisation. All the positions are all voluntary except, obviously, the full-time people up in Crow Park. But every other aspect of the Camogie Association is um, is voluntary. Yeah, it certainly and is. And without the volunteers... More we... volunteers. And the more volunteers you have, the less work uh, it is for everybody. 
Exactly, and we'd be in trouble without volunteers. Um, I suppose going back to your playing days then as well, there's a huge gulf uh, which happens through every decade between the skill level that was back then and what we have now. Like the game of Camogie has come on leaps and bounds in the last 10 or 15 years, all for the betterment, and it has become one of the best female sports in the world to be able to watch it. Like as you say, the skill level now... Um, you know, from all the players, the commitment that they're putting in is absolutely fantastic and it's a great spectacle to, uh, spectacle to be able to go and watch. Oh, everything now, Matt, is on the professional level. I mean, your strength and conditioning, your training, and uh, you have physios, you have doctors. There was none of those back in the, when I was playing Camogie. And uh, that's, that, 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 that's a great move forward because players need to be looked after. And they are being looked after and it's happening more and more every every day, every year. So, you know, it's, it's it, we have to look after our players. They all have colleges or full-time jobs or something, and you get an injury now and you're out of work and you have a car to pay for or a house to pay for. You know, everybody has to be looked after now. And it's it's moving forward and it's, 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 it's all going the right direction. It certainly is, and so too is the coverage. The announcement today by RTE that they've extended the coverage to a minimum of nine Camogie games per year. Absolutely fantastic. And even during the pandemic, it was great to see that clubs, counties, the whole lot were getting out. They were streaming games and people couldn't go and watch the games in person at venues. But it was great to be able to turn on your television or your tablets or whatever and be able to get to see the games as they were happening live. Correct, Pat. It's a great move forward. It's a, it's a brilliant news when we heard that our team were... I promised at least a minimum of nine games and we in Munster got uh, a great boost last weekend as well and Munster GA Council informed us that they are willing to, it's going ahead, that the minimum of four senior Camogie games in Munster will be played as curtain raisers to the senior hurling games and they have afforded the same um, situation for um, LGFA. So it's you know it's it's incorporating the 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 men and the women's Gaelic games and it's a family and everybody has sons or daughters or brothers or sisters playing the same sport so you know it's it's too terrible we're being divided into different pitches on a Sunday afternoon if our girls were playing if Tipperary were playing Cork in 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 the Camogie pitch in the Rag and Tipperary were playing Cork below and Cork in Cueve in the Ireland. You know, it's a divided family and that's not going to be the case anymore. Now, hopefully that everything will continue to improve and we'll have the amalgamation or integration uh, will go, move on in leaps and bounds. But it was a great boost last week that the announcement from RTE for the nine matches and towards in Munster, the announcement from Munster GEA Council uh, with our games being played as curtain raises to the senior hurling game. You know, it's, it's, it's just amazing the way things start to take take place and move on and it's bigger and bigger our association is going to get from all this publicity and those games on television and curtain raises to the Holland matches it certainly is and we've said it's it's amazing It's, it's fabulous yeah, we've said that here on the podcast before about families being split in different directions and it's hard for parents to go and pick which child effectively that they have to go and watch which game that they want to go and see. So that's a great yeah. boost and maybe it's right. something that other provincial councils can look at because, I mean, there's some of these girls that unless, okay, they get to Crow Park or whatever and they might get to play in front of anywhere between, would say, 15 and 20, 22,000 if they're lucky on an All-Ireland final day. Hurling games, by far, yeah. get much more spectators 
So I mean, by the time the game goes to start with a hurling game, he could have up again forty thousand in a stadium uh, below the likes of Parky Cueve for a game, which would be unbelievable uh, amount of support and maybe something that the girls never experienced before. So it would be great for them to experience that, Marion. Oh, it would be great and and complete for the association and much wider audience. And and um, you know, you said earlier about uh, the, when the COVID we had the live streaming. And and people out in different countries with connections in uh, the the Komogi, who played Komogi and who see the family playing Komogi, they were in to see uh, Komogi played, and some people probably saw Komogi played for the first time, but they were able to see Komogi played by their families and their friends, which was amazing. You know, it's 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 just constantly moving forward, and it's great that our association are in a position to keep on moving forward. And I know there's probably announcements coming anyway down the line that uh, maybe we're not all privy to and I'm not going to put you on the, the spot for it but I suppose in a way it's part of the new integration that uh, the Congress in Camogie passed by almost unanimous it was 97% I think to three at the weekend yeah. for the associations to integrate so that's all the three main stakeholders have agreed to do it so we're expecting news of that maybe to come down the line shortly but the big weekend is on this weekend as well Marion we have the league finals of course sponsored by Little Woods um, I great. suppose on the sponsorship it's great that uh, Glenn Dimplex is in as well as the All-Ireland Championship sponsor for this year so it's great to have a main sponsor another huge uh, announcement, announcement from the Camogie Association last week for the sponsorship deal look at uh, the weekend is it's, it's, it's the end of the league and it'll be the, the, the beginning of the championship so, you know, we're expecting great matches next uh, Saturday evening in, in Cork Park. And it's great that our, our, our Camogie League finals are showcased in Cork Park on Saturday evening. And I'm really looking forward to the two games. I'd say, Aaron, if you were a betting woman now going into the betting shop in the morning and I was giving you money to go in and put it on two teams to win. So we have the Division 1 final between Cork and Galway at the weekend. We also have the Division 2 final between Antrim and Wexford. It's great to see Wexford back in Crow Park at senior level for the first time since 2012. And I know Anya got it horribly wrong when she thought that uh, Waterford might win it. I think she did predict, though, that Wexford could be Waterford in the semi-final. Um, so that's going to be intriguing. So I'm handing you Marion money to go into a betting shop who is going to be your Division 1 winners between Cork and Galway and the Division 2 winners between Antrim and Wexford Well now in, in all fairness in all fairness Barton, I've been a former Cork chairperson a Munster person and I would have to put my money on Cork for the Senior League uh, with the Intermediate League in, in uh, Antrim and uh, Wexford Antrim really have come on in leaps and bounds and they uh, they could give Wexford a run for their money but maybe the experience of Wexford they still have experienced people on their panel then they might they might take it by the smallest of margins they certainly have them we obviously played them in the quarterfinal as well and watching them was actually like watching poetry in motion they were absolutely fantastic uh, that day well coached as well by Kevin Tatton as well so you're going with Cork yes. and just uh, Antrim to barely uh, get past Wexford on it no I was going Wexford you're going Wexford right okay just just, just a fraction so so for Cork and Wexford so it'll be interesting to see whether Marion's predictions come Rise uh, next weekend, but hopefully we're all going to enjoy great spectacle. Um, and I suppose Marion, there's still plenty. Of- <laughs> Let's hope there'll be two great fashion games, evenly contested, 
and uh, I'm well attended. Well, we're certainly know. all looking forward we to it. We need to showcase our games and we need to have a big support there from both counties and you know, it's it's it's, it's um, the next adult matches we'll be having in Crow Park would be our Ireland final. So you know, it's be a great into our league season, which is was a great season considering we had many league finals in twenty twenty. And we're just looking forward to a great spectacle of Kamogi at the weekend. Yeah, well, I think this year as well, we have the All-Ireland semi-finals in Crow Park as well. I think that was announced as part of That's the uh, the deal. And so I think the quarterfinals will be televised live. Yeah. You know, it's brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. But, but I mean, uh, Sorry, go on, Marion. Yeah, I was just going to say, please God, uh, the weekend will lead the way for uh, very competitive matches in the championship and the upcoming championships. And we look forward to a great summer of Kamogi and... Uh, Look, Kamogi is on the up and up and uh, long long may it continue and we hopefully that um, we have underage games as well. We have we have a very, very competitive All-Ireland minor final in Simple Stadium. Uh, two weeks ago between Cork and Galway, it was a cracker of a game. Um, very well attended and uh, every ball every ball was a huge, hugely contested match. Very close game and we look forward to far more, many, many, many more games like that in the coming weeks and months well hopefully and as a Tipperary woman now as well yourself you're hoping that uh, Bill and the girls can get all the way hopefully to an All-Ireland semi-final and even to an All-Ireland final this year which would be great to see the, uh, the Premier yeah, County back yeah they were looking at to get in and, and I mean they got to the league final in 2020 and because of COVID it didn't happen but look at they were picked at the polls in the league there two, three weeks ago so I, I as a Tipperary woman really truly hope that they put that, that defeat behind them and um, move on to a brighter future in the next couple of weeks in the championship. Well, it would be great because we've said it on this podcast several times around that we need the likes of Waterford, Tipperary, uh, Offaly, all the other counties to get into it because nobody wants to be talking about Kilkenny, Galway and Cork and um, being there the whole time. Somebody has to take the mantle and try and come up to that standard so and it, get there. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. So hopefully, fingers crossed. Anyway, Marion, it has been a pleasure to talk to you this evening for the second time round. Uh, the first time the Gremlins was hitting, I think you said because it was a Tipperary woman coming onto a, a Kilkenny podcast that we had the problems. But no, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it certainly wasn't anything to do with that at all. Uh, we're on new systems and we're trying to all get used to it as well. So my apologies that we had to record the interview twice, but it certainly uh, came out fine, brilliant. Man. Which Thank is thank you very much for, uh, for calling me and for inviting me onto your podcast I appreciate it and uh, I wish all the, the listeners out there the players Kamogi the very best of luck in the coming season Thank you very much Marion and again from all of us here uh, as well congratulations on the well-deserved uh, award the Sheila Nick and Leltic uh, award for the administrators a huge honour um, and hopefully that we might even see on the 30th of April at the uh, the awards night um, for the, the media awards that you might be in Crow Park that day Yes I will be attending that Thank you very much. Perfect. Good woman yourself. And we were delighted to have Marion Graham, of course, the uh, the winner of the Sheila Nicolotti Award for Administrators at Congress last weekend. And that completed Congress as well. A couple of decisions that was done. Obviously, the integration was well passed by uh, almost a majority, 97% to 3% against it. So we wait with beta breath what's going to happen uh, in the next couple of weeks and months to see how that's going to progress 
down the line. We are hoping to be joined by Paula Dowling very, very soon and we can go through the rest of the weekend's games uh, and even get her thoughts on the league final at the weekend that's coming. And that will be back just after this short break. And welcome back to part two of Come On Kind here. And I am delighted to be joined in studio by my new co-host for the next couple of weeks, Paula Dowling, who is taking up the mantle from Anya. Paula, you're very welcome into the studio. Thanks very much, Martin. Just pull that in a small bit closer to you like a good woman. Right, we get to it. Uh, we start with the Miners who was playing in the quarterfinal of the championship against Westmeath at the weekend. You were up there. It was a fantastic victory, 12-5 to 2-9. Great victory. I suppose it took about 10-15 minutes to sort of settle into the game. It was tight, not tight enough, but just getting used to playing together as a group. But then from there, once they sort of settled down, it seemed to go very well. So I suppose B team, A team, we know what happened with the All-Ireland and that. Two teams now into the semi-finals of the Leinster Championship. So something to look forward to. Might be a small bit of a logistical nightmare though for yourselves, but great to be there all the same. Great to be there. Um, but I suppose really, if you look at players that are there, little girls that have put in the hard work over the last couple of months, and uh, you just don't know what is around the corner for either of them. You'd be hoping but the capabilities in both teams we've got an even off both panels that they should be able to put it up to their opposition in the semi-finals There's really gremlins going on here this evening and I don't know why you might be coming around here to me uh, shortly over here at uh, this side but um, yeah so you know semi-final uh, opposition do we know who we're going to be playing yet? Not 100% sure I think the B team could be facing Meath and I know the A team are facing Offaly okay. so um, probably be draws for that and everything so no actually we're way to Offaly in the semi-final as far as I know Yeah um, I have that here yeah we are away to Offaly and that is on Easter Saturday 16th of April they're both due to play the same day as far as I know uh, okay I'm just checking the fixtures here now so the B is uh, where are we we were Westmeath versus Kilkenny which was the quarter final so the semi-final draw uh, has been done but it doesn't actually specify which games is which which is a bit of a pain because we don't know I think well I was only going by that, that spreadsheet that was on I think A A versus B and the winner of C versus D but it doesn't say which games is which now if they were to go in alphabetical order um, the A versus the B will be playing one another which would technically be ourselves and either Kildare or Carlo depending on it I, it's hard to know what way the, the fixtures are going on it but one way or another we have uh, a game against somebody and we're going to look forward to it the A team is out against Offaly Offaly yeah should be interesting um I suppose Offaly at the moment if this, with the senior acts they're facing a relegation tie against Limerick I do think Offaly do need that bounce that's something for Camogie the benefit of Camogie as a whole you need to have teams playing as well as they possibly can and also playing at the highest level that they possibly can but um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, I suppose as well as that it's very hard to motivate a bunch of girls it can be but I don't think we'll have an issue there with regard to you know playing back after having lost the match um, so now it's about moving forward and taking those steps but I think the bunch of girls they have have the right attitude and that hopefully they'll be able to take the next step. And how has training been going with uh, all the girls lately? Um, going good, going good. We've sort of waited, uh, we're not, it's not twice a week now because you've got club commitments coming to play and everything like that. So it's usually once a week and then at the weekends. As I was saying, like even thinking about Camogie at the moment, it's so um, changed in the ground even from the beginning of January, middle of January up till now, it has changed completely. It's actually hard as a rock. You could hear the girls up in Westmeath and it was like the sound of cattle running along the ground on a, on a hot summer's day. So it has changed automatically and you're telling girls to remind them to change their studs and their boots and to get out the blades and everything like that. Um, so it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. You always 
always wonder, well, I always wonder, is that the team that you would pick now would probably be completely different to the team that you would pick if it was in the middle of June or July. Do you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing? And also that age group, and that I suppose applies for under 16s as well, is that a player that can be hurling well in January, February of the year, they all develop at different rates. So by the time we get to say June or July when the under 16s are hopefully in the knockout stages of the championships, players that may not have been to the fore at this stage of the year may actually have come to the fore at that stage. You know, some are hurling, as they say. Yeah, well, the under-16s was out the weekend as well, so it was uh, great for them. Um, the A-teams had a fantastic victory over Wexford, 3-11 to 1-7. B-team, not so lucky against Carlo. Carlo had a very good performance, 1-11 to 3-12. Great to see Carlo doing well because they haven't been doing so well um, in latter fixtures and the whole lot. So I suppose Offaly is the next game up for the under-16 team uh, at the weekend, uh, which is a home game for Kilkenny as well. And if they beat Offaly in that, they'll qualify for the championship final, um, which will be great for them. So how do you see their chances against Offaly? You'd hope that they would have enough. Um, I think they would have, that within the panel, there's plenty of players there that have the ability and skills to actually um, win that game hands down. They have, I suppose, it, it, again, it's an interesting dynamic. There were some changes on the field from the first day. Um, Angela Carroll had slotted in at full back. Um, I think uh, the other the other full back has, had other commitments or whatever. So on that level, it's I suppose it's trial and error at this stage for me if I was over the under 16 team I'd be trying out as many players as I could in this in the Leinster Championship to get as much game time into the girls as possible so that they all know the methods that they're playing and what type of game play they're playing and that's really important I think at this stage like to use the Leinster Championship to win of course that's the priority but also to get girls to get as much game time as possible so that they can actually experience the big big match day because there's no point in getting to an All-Ireland semi-final and next thing somebody hasn't even been on the pitch or played with a bunch of girls before and it's different obviously for them because you've had the minor All-Ireland series first and then you have to go and play in the provincial championships whereas if it was probably the other way around and you were able to play a couple of games in a Leinster provincial championship first of all and then go into an All-Ireland series you might have a, a team not saying that that was the reason why we didn't qualify for uh, an All-Ireland final round this year but it certainly can't do any harm to the team Look we've been out about this for years um, the logistics of, of why they play the minor championship so early in the year I can understand on one level but on the other level it's actually making little of the championship because when do you want to be hurling? You want to be hurling in the long summer evens when the weather is good and the pitch is good quality and that doesn't seem to be happening Now I know that's a national issue um, and I suppose there's some of the adult teams in different counties that actually have minor girls on their panel we don't have that in Kilkenny here and I suppose we're looking that way that we're not having to draw upon players like that but for the development of a player as a whole which is my sort of big brog bear you have to allow girls to develop at their own pace bit by bit by bit and that means letting them experience the various levels so like I mean there's a big jump from minor to adult especially at inter-county level and that's even whether you're even talking about intermediate or even talking about senior has to be there has to be a transition forward and there was part of a rule there obviously that uh, they were trying to pass a congress this year that you had to be over the age of 17 to play at inter-county level which wasn't passed um, and I don't exactly know what the the ratio was with it um, at Congress but I know it was defeated anyway which would probably help out um, a lot of places but yeah the usual counties were standing up and saying well we can't play without the players and we're not going to have teams and the whole lot but like in the day and age that's in it the GEA has went down the road of that you have to be over the 18 to play adult county I mean maybe it's time that we started to, to look at it and when the integration happens it might go forward in that kind of a way You see it's a little bugbear of mine right the question is do you want to play to win of course everybody wants to play to win but can you play to win and also develop players? 
Yes, you can. And that's about giving players the time to develop. So that's that's the important thing on my perspective. I'd be thinking that way. Um, but then again, you have to look at it from a club perspective. And I can talk personally in our own club, right? We're out on our own this year. So from our perspective, because we're quite new, we need to have as many players available to us as possible. So on that level, I suppose I'm contradicting myself. But you would think at county level, you should have sufficient players in between all the clubs in the county in order to field a team without having to go down to minor players. Yeah, well, we probably have and we're OK with it. I mean, I'm looking at maybe the likes of Wicklow and maybe Louth to a certain degree or some of the teams that will potentially need younger players to do it but where do you stop? Hold on now Mark I'm going to to contradict you now hold on are you telling me that there's not sufficient players of age and that are adults that can't go out and play maybe they just need a little bit more investment in them and maybe a little bit more coaching that you have to give I'm not saying that's the case but counties themselves are saying it and I don't know who talked against the motions um, at the weekend when it came to Congress but I know a lot of the counties that was there was saying well we can't actually play without the girls if this age group goes through and that's part of the reason why it didn't pass then maybe we as an organization or the organization as a whole needs to sit down and look at its development structures so it's about getting it right from day one and one thing I would say about Camogie having been around for the last while is that when there's trials it's open every year to everybody at underage and development so that's really good that's given everybody a chance and like I mean, we had girls in our minor panel this year that hadn't been involved in county panels before because girls develop all players horrors players they all develop at different rates you can't just say you know if somebody is a, is not necessarily a strong under 14 that they're not going to be a strong adult player and like I mean I can think back to my day when I was playing there was one particular player never played in any inter- inter-county team went to trials and everything didn't make and I remember much time for her but then when it came to playing with club she was one of the ladies that actually led the way you know so I think you have to sort of you have to sort of decide on whether you want to keep girls playing or be very successful at the detriment of losing players when we know Davina was the same like when it came to the inter-county scene like she wasn't in any of the the underage players before she was found and the talent and we all know what kind of a player Davina turned out to be well that's exactly it you just don't know you have to give people a chance and I think a lot of it as well is that people have to be very broad minded with regard to things like you could have a player that's may not shine at, at a lower rind but then when they have good players around them it learns from them and then starts to develop from that so I think that's that's something that's really important that you have to look at where the player is and what they contribute to it. And um, like it, it, sometimes I were just the match at the weekend that we were at, uh, the minor match, uh, one player came off and she was quiet enough. And I said, God, I said, you did a great game. And she goes, did I? I said, yeah. And she says, but I didn't get on that much ball. I said, no. I said, but you created the space for the others to get on the ball. Everybody has a different role, as in you always need the classy players. Love, lovely to look at, but it's the workhorses. It's the people that put in the groundwork, that put in the hard graft. And they're usually the ones that are trained that are encouraging the other girls on to keep going keep going keep going so like I mean that's the other thing is that you can have 15 skillful players but if you've nobody to do the donkey work you're not going to win any match the young song heroes as I often refer oh. to and which saw on you here because she's one that's always saying the same thing and she always relates back to Sarah Welch at Thomastown even for the league section that we've been watching over the last couple of years as she tries her best to get on the score sheet mightn't always happen but by God does she create chances uh, and give a load of players around her the opportunity to score as well and often people don't see that in the background they look at her result and Paula Dowling is after scoring 1-5 or you know Michelle Quilty is after scoring 2-1 or whatever but it's the person that's around them that's making the score for them is often unseen by people and I think that's why you need to have people that are with teams that have an ability to read the game um, you know they, 
it's great to have coaches that are vocal and able to encourage and do the drills and all the rest of it. But you need to have people that can actually stand back and look at the bigger picture and see that certain person, as I said, is after doing all of the work, like Sarah Crowley, like her work rate is phenomenal. So that they can actually stand back and say, OK, she may not have scored, but look what she's after contributing to the team. And I know that's all stats and all the rest of it, but you just need to sometimes remove yourself from when you're on the sideline and just take a look and say, oh God, that link play was fabulous. And it's like, you know, the way you'd see him in the American football, the assists and all the rest of it. You know, it's getting yeah. sort of like that, but it's not even that. It's just being able to step back and see like... The playmakers as they exactly, call them. Exactly, playmakers. Yeah. And even people that neutralise other players may not do a good, like shine on the pitch themselves, but the person they're marking may be the ace player for the opposition, but still manages to stop them hurling. And I always think think if you have somebody that's willing to put their body on the line for the team that's who you want to have playing for you so is that why a lot of counties then will say put in a B team into having the two teams will say at Leinster level for under 16 or minor is to develop an awful lot of them players going forward then maybe if we started under 16 level you have your two teams so you might have I don't know 56 60 players or whatever come to it when you get to minor then you're looking for maybe your best 25 or whatever and out of that 25 then you're looking for girls then to go forward to intermediate and senior level Not necessarily but uh, because I would think that there's girls that are on our B panel that played on Sunday that have the capability down the line to go on and play intermediate and they're on you know I'm and not solely talking about us now I'm talking in about general, in general just in general but yeah. I do firmly believe that you just don't know because those girls are going to go on and they're going to go and experience the likes of um, colleges Camogie playing in Ashburn playing in Purcell Cup and then from there you just don't know because if you ever notice there's a player you could like you could coach a player or somebody could coach a player for a couple of years and you just know there's something not clicking and next thing they move on there's a different coach and they see a different perspective and they come around things in a different way and use a different psychology and as a result of that, that player clicks. They know exactly what you're talking about for that coach. Now, that's not undermining the person that coached them for the previous three years because they know what they're on about, but it just didn't click. And sometimes it takes somebody to push your buttons to get you moving forward. And like, that's why I'm saying don't be surprised if you see players that have been on minor A's and B's over the last couple of years coming forward because of the experience of colleges, Camogie, and they may not be on the Ashburn Cup A team or a personal cup A team, but they could be on for, for second year on the, the B team and then gradually work their way up. So it's about giving girls time to develop. And as well as that, I suppose, another thing is that if people get too much come over, they're going to get injuries. And like, I mean, there is a certain health and welfare we've sort of, we have to look after players. And like, I mean, there's nothing as bad as seeing somebody going out onto the pitch and next thing, you know, at the age of 18 or 19 and doing a cruciate and then going to a true rehab for 18 months or whatever and come back and next thing do another cruciate. You don't even have to go that far because we've seen it in this county at 14 and 15 year olds. Like, I mean, that's that's just it. And like players, I suppose it's about working together, about minding them and, and, you know, it's about knowing when enough is enough. You don't have to be flogging players. It's about getting them to see what is the right way to go, getting to look at the perspective of, you know, how much do we need to do or what do we need to focus on? Like, I mean, it shouldn't be a running session every night of the week. You know, um, a lot of that hard slog nowadays is done even before they come near any of the inter-county panels or anything like that. And even at club level, sure, that's what's happening now. Most of them have their pre-season or they're doing their strength and conditioning. And, you know, it'll be very interesting in about four or five years time to see whether that has resulted in a reduction of injuries or maybe even an increase in injuries. So I don't know on that one. Well, that's certainly uh, one open for debate for uh, another time. That's certainly other putting uh, perspective, uh, point of 
for us. So I hope you're taking notes here now, Madam Producer, for us for the, the next time that we're looking for uh, things done on that. So talking about development, we obviously have the under 15 development squads up and running at the minute. So they've had a, a couple of challenge games. I think they had one or two against Tipperary um, at the weekend. So obviously the 14s are going to be starting uh, shortly. Um, and what's the scope uh, and the plan for that going forward? As far as I know, with regard to the 14s, they have their three panels um, and hopefully it'll be... I suppose 14s is, is a very odd age group, I always think, for panels because it, it, sometimes at that age, youngsters can take it very to heart. They can see it as being make or break, especially when you have the three panels. But which, again, coming back to my own harping on about this again, is that they all develop at different stages. And I suppose the really important thing is that maybe that they get feedback. If they're after being in a panel and they're after being like make it to nearly the second last or last, that they could get the feedback back from the coaches just to say, look, doing great, but you need to go work on A, B, C and D. And I think that's something that needs to be done with all players is that to give people feedback and say, look, if you want to improve, you need to be able to hit it off left and right out of your hand, be able to break a tackle, be able to jab lift, I'm not too pushed about the roll lift. Um, and see all, how we, goes. we all know that at this stage. <laughs> Can't resist that one, Martin. But, you know, just things like that, I suppose. And well, I, you have me on it now because even when it comes to the commentary and the things and I'm looking at someone roll lifting it and the first thing comes into my head is Paula Dowling and I'm just looking at her pretending she's beside sense, me. And, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Why would you break your stride to stop to roll lift a ball? Ergonomically, it is stupid. You're actually, it is, think about it. You're actually breaking your stride, right? So you're pulling up suddenly, right? So that means you're jarring your bones. Could be an injury issue, right? Roll lift, on you go again. But even at that, it's taking more energy to bend down and roll lift the ball than move forward. It's actually gone so bad with you now that you actually have me looking at hurling matches as well when it comes to it and the senior adult lads that's down and how many of them in around a rook is actually trying to roll at the ball Listen, and pick it up as well. Match, what's the first thing you're going to do? Fast ball. We always say that. Fast ball out of the backs. Fast ball into the forwards. You're going to have rocks, right? There is a place for the roll lift in a rock. I'm not going to say there's no place for it. But it's fast ball. So if you're slowing down the intensity of the play, you're automatically giving the opposition the upper hand. So they're going to straight away come out. It's given backs it's giving forwards time to get on top of you and it's slowing down everything where am I going now oh, but I'm telling you there's gremlins in here tonight definitely <laughs> so I knew I was there, coming there <laughs> We had it earlier on and it's certainly not gone away uh, anywhere on us. Um, but I suppose the big games uh, coming up at the weekend is the league finals. Um, the Division 1 league final obviously is having Cork and Galway that's there. So two rivals, you know, Cork haven't won a league title in a couple of years. Galway and ourselves have been fighting it out with the last couple um, to nearly even enough on that stage is at the minute and Anya is usually there in front of me and I puts her right on the spot to pick a winner out of that game. So the Division 1 League final at the weekend, Cork and Galway, who's going to be and why? Okay, first of all, let's state my case. Cork, we're lucky to get out of Parker Keeve against us. Horrendous evening, last minute free, they got over the line. But you know what Cork are like when they're going as underdogs. There's just something about it. They love going in under the radar. So at the moment, everybody's talking about Galway because they're saying like Galway reigning All-Ireland champions, everything else that goes with it. And they have that. There's something about Galway teams. They bring a physical intensity that is really, really like, I mean, it is intimidating, but it's really good. It's it's they When they go out to play, they go out to win. With Cork, they're bringing through a lot of new players, a lot of young players. So it all depends on how they react to it. So for the younger players and the new players coming through, they could have the attitude whereby you know, they've got nothing to lose. They're going out there. They haven't got any reputation, which is what, if I was coaching Cork, I'd be telling them, you've nothing to lose here. That Galway are 
they're the reigning All-Ireland champions. That's who you want to take down. And and that's why my head says Galway, but my heart says Cork. I just wouldn't be surprised if they pulled one on Is that because now you went to college in Cork that you have the old soft spot for him? <sighs> no, do you know what? No, it's just because they seem to be bringing on more players. Like Galway players seem to have a lot of miles. But then again, Sarsfield's players will be back with Galway as well. So now I'm doubting my own decision. But look, I said Cork, so I'll stick with Cork. As on you does when we go through this. Every time there's yeah. a big game coming on and it changes. So. It does, because you're just thinking about it. Like Sarsfield's players are quite strong. They bring a different dynamic to the whole thing. But Cork, I just think they'll have learned more. From that Kilkenny match, it will stand to them and see how it goes from there. So it should be very interesting on that level. But um, I suppose... Do you think it's going to be a tactical game? I actually think they're going to go hell for leather. I I think they'll go with the idea of tactics, but I can see it being quite intense. Like, I mean, Cork have to put down a marker. After last year, they're going to have to put down a marker and take a step forward. And as such, Galway are the kingpins at the moment. They're sitting pretty there. But then again, they don't want it to slip. And I do firmly believe that in Galway's head, they're quite annoyed over two years ago when we bet them a dollar in final. They would be quite annoyed over that. So I do think they're trying to plan forward and move towards the All-Ireland Championship. But still, I just don't know why. I still think Cork could, on paper, if you looked at it, you'd have to go for Galway. But I just well, you I never trust the Cork team They're always waiting for the long grass Yeah do you think Galway have a bit of an advantage Like they have two games Played since Cork Played us in the game Parky Cueve Cork been waiting for four weeks For the league final Galway is going to have Two games in that period of time So Is that an advantage to them Having them competitive I games it, Actually I would think It probably is an advantage to them But I can't understand why uh, there's such all these gaps and everything it just doesn't make sense to me well you see there was more teams in division 1 so there was an extra league game to be played and then obviously Galway and Offaly was called off because mm. of St. Rhina's involvement well, in the club championships yeah, yeah. Um, so that was pushed back towards the end of the league before that was played so that's why they have the extra game in there there was less mm. teams in our group compared to what was in the division 1 group so maybe it's a time then to stop the relegation well, I and think have a, an I even number I think you need to actually give those players a little those teams as in like Limerick seem to be doing a lot at underage they're doing a lot of development down there and awfully you'd love to see them maybe get another year just to get more experience because technically their boat will not be or what you call got awfully won't be taking part in the O'Duffy Cup and yet you've got Wexford and Waterford who will be am I right? Yeah and Antrim is in that group as well because yeah. so, you've Wexford and Antrim so now it, there's something with the tears there that's a bit off kilter at the moment so yeah but it, like use teams that get relegated like Waterford got relegated last year mm. right they're not going to go straight up now obviously because you have Antrim and Wexford contestant, contesting the Division 2 final which is not going to be an easy one for you to call shortly um, on that one either uh, we know because we played Wexford in the quarterfinal mm. and they were outstanding and you know they played Waterford then in the semi-final last weekend and I think it was a four, four or five point victory uh, for Wexford as well and it'll be the first time Wexford is actually in Crow Park at senior level since they won the three in a row back in 2012. Didn't realise it was that long. Yeah, their juniors were there last year against yeah. uh, Armagh, but it's the first time the seniors have been there since 2012. So, who's going to win that game? Ash, listen, do you know what? You'd say Wexford, but you know what? Northern teams, you can never underestimate them. Um, and especially when it gets to that final. Like we saw that like last year. They're just, they're breed unto themselves. But somehow I think Wexford seems to have got their house in order. Um, even the way that they played against our intermediates they seem to be coming and starting to come right well they were unbelievable the day they played our intermediates like I said can't get over the, the speed of everything that was done like it was a complete gulf between the two teams and as I said earlier last week that was being respectful to both teams because Wexford were like 
a Division 1 team that was playing in Division 3 or 4. Mm. And they shouldn't have been there because everything was done with speed. It was done with precision. Um, they were well coached and they looked like they were on a mission to get out of Division 2. However, they're coming up again a team that is partaking in the O'Duffy Cup. They have won the Intermediate Championship last year, the Beckley Kenny, obviously in the final. And they've also lost the last two Division 2 fine league fines as well in the last two years. So that pain and that hurt going in is certainly going to, in my opinion, give Antrim the advantage. But the thing is, can they keep the momentum going? They're being like, I mean, that's three three years on the trot. It is tough going. And it is a case of it'll show a lot of their character if they do overcome Wexford. Um, because that's the one thing, as in it's very hard to keep going if you're like not getting that result to push on. So I can't nail that one, Martin. I really couldn't. It's very hard. To well, you have to. Come on, we're, 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 there's no sitting on the fence in well, the studios. Well, I have to say, yeah, but like having played against Northern teams before, there's something about them. They have a steely determination and they do go into a match automatically feeling like even if they're favourites, they'll go in in their own heads as underdogs. Like they will go in with the attitude whereby they are the, they have the 16 player with them and they're quite determined on that level. But Wexford, we know the, the quality of Wexford players. We know what they're capable of. We know that Wexford's have had it rough over the last few years but now seem to be coming out of it again and you know that's the one time you want to watch yourself so I'm going to go against you on that I'm going Wexford So Cork and Wexford then yeah, to progress Yeah we I'm not putting any bets on though <laughs> <laughs> Well I know Marion Graham was here and I told her if I had money to put on her so she's out to go and uh, almost with the near enough to the same I think it was on that one as well so interesting to see uh, how things pan out on that mm, You just they're just so they're going to be tight to call that's the one thing, you know. But either way, the only thing that I want to see it, even if they are trying to call it, I want to see great spectacles. I I don't want this stop start crack that's going on with the last tactical finals, especially when teams get to finals and the whole lot like it. You want to be able to enjoy a game of camogie that the two teams just go at it hell for leather, the same as if there was a challenge game or whatever on a Sunday morning. Just pretend it's in Crow Park or whatever, and just showcase the sport that it can be because they have the potential to be phenomenal finals. They actually could be really, really good finals. And the thing is, it is about going out. And it, at the end of the day, it is only 15 and 15. Um, and the problem is once it starts going into all this mind, and uh, you know, mind melting stuff whereby they're moving players and switching. And I, I suppose I'm a bit traditionalist in that way. I can understand the benefits of if you want to go do your tactics and lay out different dynamics and put positions into it. But I do like it just 15 on 15 and play the spaces because Crow Park is such a big pitch. Like it's the space, huge. The space that there is phenomenal. So like, I mean, if you don't have faith in your players to think that they can match the opposition. If I was playing, I'd probably actually have doubts in my head if somebody starts saying, look, we're laying out this way and there's two V to go here and you go sit on the upper deck of the Cusick stand and somebody else go there. Do you know, that's the sort of vibe But sometimes with some of the tactics that goes on. But personally, I if I heard that from a manager, I'd have doubts in my head and I'd be going, why are you doing that? Do you not think I can hurl this girl? Do you know? That's just me. Yeah. That's just me. And probably people would say, God, that's so old fashioned. And da, da. Okay. I would firmly love to be, and I think there's different coping mechanisms, as in, right, play really wide in the corner or stay in tight, cheerful forward or whatever. But these are the things that you can have in your own mind with regard to stuff. But I do think firmly 15 on 15. 
and then uh, let throw the ball in and see what happens from there, and then you can give out the ref about the ref afterwards. <laughs> Sure, that's who calls all the stop and starts anyway. Well, I, I, I no, I, no, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm now, starting in, to get arguments here. <laughs> no, 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 no. In, in fairness, I mean, the referees can only do so much and they can only blow what it is. But when it comes down to tactics and you have so much bunching going on and the whole lot in it, it's not always the referee's fault when it comes to certain things. Now, is, I agree. And sometimes, yes, but yeah. not all the case. Not always. And the biggest thing, my other big bug bearer is that if a referee blows a whistle, just take it on the chin. Let the management deal with it. Let whoever's over the team take it on board. But if a ref, if, if, if the opposition, if I saw somebody, right, mountain back to referee, I'd know, oh my God, we've got her. Like it is all mind games at the end of the day. If you think you're better, you could be not as good a hurler as the other person, but if you think you can beat her, by God, you'll beat her. Like psychologically, the mind is a very strong thing, like as in you can get your mind thinking whereby, yeah, yeah. You know, I can beat this player. I Jesus, you're going it. really deep here now on us with you for your first time in this studio. <laughs> I overanalyze everything. You don't realize. Overanalyze it. Oh, I do. I've been on the sideline behind you or beside you. So I know exactly where things and go. And then I have to go home and write all this stuff down in my notebook that I analyze everything. So this is OCD. By, and yes, when I was playing, it was a very simple game when I was playing. You just went out and played. But it's different how you, your mentality changes from being the player to being on the sideline. And that's big change. I want to get your opinion as well, because I know I've been talking to Anya about this last week as well. And I mean this respectfully to yourself, OK, but you are probably in a generation that might have been there before Anya as well, where you started maybe when you were 13, 14 in with the club at senior level, potentially, you know, all playing along. And then you were brought into the county level. Um, what's your stance with the latest developments that was going on with the GPA in relation to expenses uh, and all that for players that's going and putting a cap on training sessions and putting burden and pressures on the Camogie players like Oni was here last week and she had her own take on it and it was like they were playing for years and years as were you you know weren't getting any expenses weren't paying for it it was kind of for the love of the game that you were kind of doing it for so I want to get your take on it now as well well it's all changed like I'm going back I played my first senior game at the age of 14 against St. Paul's and that was the last year that St. Paul's were in operation um, that they last fielded um, so and that was 12 aside and in those days it would have been for the love of the game but it wasn't as intense as it is now like I mean the effort that the girls are putting in they're actually like eat, sleep and breathe camogie everything's monitored their diet is monitored uh, how many hours sleep they're getting how their form is all of that kind of thing is being monitored every day and they're putting in the effort with the guard to it they're doing their additional gym sessions they're doing their additional running sessions as well so I think like I'm not asking anybody to make money out of it but I'm asking that they be compensated for what they do because like it's it's a big undertaking if you're going to commit to that like it is it's you don't have a life and like, I mean, I'm talking about even when we were playing, say, in our club all irons and things like that, like the commitment we gave would have been massive and we would have been watching everything we were doing and what we were eating and all that kind of thing. And that was tough going because I remember at that stage I got married in the middle of one of those. And um, I remember like wedding plans were the least of my worries. They were thrown off to one side. You didn't even think about that because it was just completely focused. On it. And that was, I suppose, even a small snippet of what they're going and what they're doing and the commitment to it. And like, I mean, the fact... But does it look like they're, they're going down the route then of like the semi-professional area? No, no not really, because it, it, I suppose it's just we want to, everybody wants to be the best that they can be. Every player wants to be the best that they can be. 
and they do do it because they love the game and in a heartbeat you know that all of those players if the club was playing in the morning if it was a choice in between playing the club All-Ireland and a county All-Ireland which do you think they go for? Well, well you, you would obviously say the club potentially but they all, they would. would they all say it? Yes they would because you have to remember where you came from um, you started off at the age of six or seven and that's with the, the likes of the coaches you know the local coaches the local um, headmaster whatever or school teacher that trained you and you were playing primary school games and all the rest of it and I suppose for me I, I find this all the way through I would have played with different county teams all the way up along but the team I'm closest to is the girls that I would have played with all the way along and that went more to me than anything at different stages we're even just talking about this as, as a group of players in the club at home that at different stages when something happens in our life, right? Okay, you still have your county friends that will mm-hmm. always be in contact yep. with you or whatever. But say if there's a bereavement in the family or anything, it's those girls that you've played with. And I might need to be talking to some of them for about six months. But they'd be the first ones that'd be on the phone to you. And that's the ethos of camogie and GA, And that's always ingrained in us. We can see that there's a huge camogie, I won't say camogie, but there's a huge Gaelic family when something like that or a bereavement happens in a community, right? Would you take the, the club players Right, and you played with a lot of club players in your own club that didn't play county. And they're looking, and I'm just taking you because you're sitting here in front of me, okay, and it's nothing personal around that way, but they're looking at you getting paid to do four or five sessions during the week. And they're going out and they're playing a game of camogie at the weekend or whatever, and maybe, I don't know, for a month or whatever. Those players, some of them, could be doing their own gym sessions. They're doing their own running sessions away from it. They're training three nights a week or whatever and then they're playing in a summer league or a challenge game or whatever at the weekend and they get no expenses for the exact same thing that you're doing playing with the county. And they're looking at it and saying, well, I'm doing the exact same and I'm playing the exact same game. I don't get paid and Paul is getting paid. So where's the fairness in that? Well, from my perspective, the distance... Like I mean, most of those girls are traveling from Dublin, Cork, Galway. It, it, like it's not being done in the local pitch, so they're they're being compensated for the use of their vehicle or whatever, or they're traveling or whatever. So I wouldn't have an issue with any of that. And from a club perspective, then when they do come back to the club, they give the same one hundred and ten percent to the girls that are around them, and that's the thing. If they didn't, I'm telling you here and now, those club players wouldn't. In two seconds, they call them out on it. But well, it's debate, and we like to have debate, like so. Well, I, I agree with you, but I, it's just, it's just, they're, you're not looking for them. It's about a small recognition just to compensate the commitment they give to it. Because not every, I know players that have been asked to go to campaigns and have refused because they weren't willing to give the commitment, and that's fine because they acknowledge that's not their cup of tea. And do you think then the managers should be capping sessions or where's your stance on that? Because you're coming from it as well, from having been a player and now you're involved in management yourself with the minor level. Should there be a cap on training sessions? I think there has to be a player management with the guard to it, right? At different stages, sometimes you will have those. You, you could do maybe extra sessions during a week, but you have to look after them. You have to, have to gauge the players' moods. Sometimes they just need to take a break from it all. And that means doing something, whether it's a team bonding session, whatever it is, but just something that just give them a break. Or maybe they just need to go back to the clubs and get grounded again. Because as I said to you, there's nothing like going back to the clubs and your club players and they'll put you back into your box fairly quickly, you know, just to get a pers- you know, the proper perspective on, on where they are. And as I keep on saying, to wear any county jersey or any club jersey, it is an honour and a privilege. It is not given to anybody. 
And you've always said that even from your time with the under 16s and the whole way up and even this year with the minors, uh, it's one of your mantras that you've always come with and you have to earn the stripes that you can't just be put on to you like so. Well, you literally have to earn your Kilkenny stripes, you know, and, and that's, that's it. And I, I like, and did you ever notice any of the players that may not have come onto a panel as soon as others? Not that they appreciate it more, but they savour it more. Like they, everybody appreciates playing in Kilkenny jersey. But you know, sometimes you see somebody and they're looking and they're just savouring the moment. Yeah. And that's the one thing I'd be telling any player, whether you're from the age of 14 to whatever, the first time you put on that Kilkenny jersey, you should stop and just enjoy the moment. Because you don't want the moment to pass you by. Because um, otherwise, the minute it's gone, you, you won't even have realised what has actually happened. So that's that's the important thing from my perspective. That's what I'd be thinking to savour the moment. And you know, what, if you go out with the attitude that you're going to go out and enjoy it, you'll want to repeat that again and again. Well, you never know when it might be your last time putting on a jersey for the county. Like, I mean, anything can happen, injury-wise, concussion-wise. The, the girl, um, when we played Galway a couple of weeks ago, the poor girl that did her cruciate. Like, I mean, we could hear the pop, an audible pop. And like I mean, oh, Shannon Corcoran wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully, please God, the girl will recover and be able to play again. But at the end of the day, it is only a game. It is only a sport, and we all have to get up in the morning and go to work. We certainly do, as you were earlier on, and got delayed because of the cows. And thank <laughs> God it did, because we had gremlins, and the gremlins are still here, uh, and I can still hear gremlins going on. And so hopefully, we're going to be back in our own spot next week. Maybe if I turn off them fellas just for the minute, uh, something might happen because I don't know what's going on here today. But anyway, we're having a, a right laugh. My headphones is going on me again. I can still see that we're chatting away. Um, hopefully that you have enjoyed the bit of crack in the whole lot that was going on here uh, tonight. I know it has been an experience for me sitting here uh, in front of this desk and God help poor Ken when he comes to try and have to edit this later on. But Paula, it has been your first experience in with us it won't be your last time either because as we said you're going to be here with us for a couple of weeks while Anya is away she had a glorious day uh, last Friday at the wedding and we wish ourselves and Stephen the very best of luck for many more years to come uh, well, he's technically known as Mr Fahey now well yeah I'm not saying that live we, we, we've already done that now and I'm not going down that route again and I suppose we've a lot coming up in the next few weeks we have the failures kicking off we have um, that should be very interesting and see how that goes um, we'll know the summer league games are kicking, kicking off in. on the 13th and the draws have been done tomorrow night I think at the county board yeah. being, well, well this is Monday the, so Tuesday night yeah. yeah you'll have the under six Deans then out as well in the rest yeah, of the Leicester Championship yep. and then the minors are in the Leicester Championship under 14 counties kicking off and also the under 15 counties so it's, there's a lot going on it's supposed to be the quiet month but I think it's there's no such thing as a quiet month when it comes to camogie everything is scratched on so yeah under 16 is out uh, the weekend against Offaly whoever comes out of that then is definitely guaranteed a championship final spot the B team still has a chance of qualifying um, as well they're out uh, against it's Kildare is it I think um, yes. the weekend if I'm not mistaken yes, I had it written down here so uh, yeah it is Kildare away and then the minors are in the semi-finals on the Easter weekend as well uh, Easter Saturday so that's going to be lucky and then the senior intermediates are all out on the 30th of April in their game so no rest busy. No, no rest indeed well that is it from the KCLR studios here for come on kind this evening hopefully that you have uh, enjoyed it and as I said hopefully we are back in our own studio where everything is nice and handy and we know what we're at uh, next weekend it's 
tough getting used to new equipment but sure you have to move with the times the same as all the camogie players do but anyway that is it from myself and Paula and uh, Lillian of course producing as always here for us until next week it's goodbye from the trio here in KCLR and we will see you next week this is Come On Kind with Martin Quilty and Onya Fahey. Yeah.